Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, December 5th, 2022. Today on the Ether, episode 12 of the Page Dow Show. Let's take a listen. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's nice to hear your guys' voice today. It's the Page Dow Show. It's the Page Dow Show. Woo! Yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be here with you guys. Yes, it's great to be here with you too. Awesome. And I see people are popping in. I think they will be popping in a little bit as we go. You know, and I've been watching, you know, these episodes actually get listened to a lot of people after the fact. So, uh, you know, it's not all about how many people tune in now. What's kind of cool about Twitter is they get listened to a lot, actually. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. Yeah, so, hey, how should we go? How should we do this? What do you think? Well, I think that we should zoom around and introduce ourselves. And um, we'll have Dylan go first, I think, and then CD, and then we can round out back with me and just get the show on the road. Sounds perfect. Go ahead, Dylan. It's all you. All right. Well, uh, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Thomas Dylan Daniel. I'm an academic philosopher. I've done work in science in about 18. Wait, no, no. Near what? How, how many months ago was it? it? It was, I guess, about June of 2020 uh, was when me and Easy and Crypto started working together to try to figure out how to bring publishing and blockchains uh, into contact with one another to benefit writers. Uh, we, we thought about a magazine and then, you know, a few months later we had a white paper and, you know, we, we've kind of gone through several different iterative uh, frameworks for the project since then. Um, and the page that was actually founded in July of 2021 uh, by a much larger group of people, um, many of whom uh, were part of the, the WIP publishing community. Um, I believe you've been around for, for most of that time there, uh, CD yourself, since early 2021, right? And and so uh, basically, we have uh, been at it a while, and and we've learned a lot along the way um, about not just you know what people want from a publishing industry, but about the ways that Web three can potentially change the things that technologists can offer to writers um, in terms of being able to uh, get the work uh, that they create um, put in the hands of an audience somewhere who really cares about it. And so we've got a lot of amazing stuff going on everywhere. And there, there's like this kind of Cambrian explosion of, of AI and all these different things uh, that, that are kind of going on. And uh, in the midst of it all, what we're doing here at PageDow, um this week and this month, in fact, is making a big governance push. Um, so, so by popular demand, last week, uh, we will be 
uh, focusing on tokenomics this week to some extent. And uh, so, so it'll be nice to invite the DAO in for that. Um, but yeah, uh, a man who needs no introduction is up next, folks. Uh, CD, Compact Disc himself. <laughs> hello, hello. I am Compact Disc. Uh, that's not true. Actually, my name is DVD. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm Christopher Domicio, sometimes called CD, sometimes called Vagabond, you know, and I've been a writer for a long time. I'm old AF. I'm, you know, I don't even want to say as fuck. That's how old I am. I say old AF. Um, but I've been all my life a storyteller. Um, when I was seven years old, I was like, my best friend was this 60-year-old newspaperman named Jack, who was just like the coolest guy in my neighborhood. And he got me my first job in a paper route and like made me want to be a writer and want to be a newspaper man. And he was like, you're a natural-born storyteller. So that was my first job was delivering newspapers. And then I was like, I'm going to write for newspapers. I'm going to write for magazines. My grandmother had a thousand National Geographic. And I was like, I'm going to write for National Geographic. And I grew up and I wrote for newspapers. and I got job writing for National Geographic a little bit, National Geographic Traveler. Um, I actually wrote for Lonely Planet and was part of like their first ebook that they ever put together. Um, and all this stuff was happening and the world was like turning to like web two and the internet was being born and I could do whatever I wanted. And it was so awesome. And then it kind of all fell apart and suddenly writers didn't get paid very much. Photographers didn't get paid very much. And if you weren't a 19-year-old girl in the bikini, nobody really wanted to see your travel stories. But I never gave up this dream. In 2003, I wrote my first book, which was all about how to live without money in a car um, called Rough Living, Tips and Tales of a Vagabond. And I've been writing ever since. That one was traditionally published. Everything since then has been self-published or whatever. And I'm just so happy to be a part of everything that is changing in our world and in publishing in general. It's so exciting. Even as all the stuff falls apart, even as the world changes, it's still pretty exciting to be a big part of it. So that was my excited Tony Robbins style introduction. I'm going to hand it off to Riona. Well, my goodness, going after that, that sounds amazing. Uh, we learned so much about each other in this show. And so First off, um, I'm Rihanna Morgan. Hello, hello. It's very nice to meet all of you. And so since we went back in time a little bit, I could go back in time a little bit. Let's see. So I won my first writing contest when I was in the third grade. <laughs> I actually won $50, which seemed amazing to my little tiny self way back when. And then I've just been a writer ever since I wrote that little story about putting a mouse in my sister's roller skates way back then. Um, anyway, and so when I was in high school, I wrote and I won. I won a national competition, actually, for poetry. And then I just thought, well, this is great. And so going through school to get my undergraduate degree, I wrote poetry and short stories the whole time. And I actually graduated debt free. So that was really exciting for me, really exciting for me. And um, so I've written, I don't even know how many, I don't even know how many, and I don't even know all the magazines they were in. And 
it's just outrageous. And so now I'm I'm at the point where I'm super excited to be able to to join the Web3 community. And I've got some things coming out all the time. I'm writing all the time and, and publishing all the time. And um, I'm loving it. And I'm loving working with uh, Dylan and CD. And they are just phenomenal people and excellent writers. And so I love I love being part of this with them and and welcoming all of you and and it's so exciting. So I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's so lovely to hear. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here too today, folks. Uh, I, I don't know uh, just exactly how widespread the awareness of kind of like our, our subject of the day um, is going to be. Um, but but man, I, I am really, really excited about it because there, there's been a phenomenon that I've been kind of like witnessing, I guess, since like kind of philosophy grad school, uh, when I was kind of formally introduced to linguistics, you know, and then for for a long time, you know, I, I would have like uh, conversations with people and I, I would think, you know, uh, natural language processing is, is just uh you know, you know, it's, it's a philosophically difficult problem, you know, and, and so so it's, it's really, really interesting to uh, start seeing just like Twitter blow up over the last few days and, and start seeing all this energy that's like, you know, coming into this new space of basically natural language processing that seems to work uh, much better than natural language processing has worked in the past. Um, and, and so, so uh, you know, without too much further ado, folks, I, I do want to turn it over once again to my main man, CD, because uh, he, he's got some, some information that he wants to share about GPT-3, which is a new, uh, new AI um, that, that he's been using to write. And he says it's way better than what came before. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, you know, so um, a few things that... Um, that have come up recently. I mean, back in 2020, I got access to James Sue's program, which was an AI writing assistant called PseudoWrite. And I was super excited about it. I was like, oh my God, this thing is going to be like, it's going to be a game changer. And so I used it and it was pretty rudimentary. I've talked about it before, you know, it ended up like naming itself and it ended up like making itself my co-author as opposed to just being a writing assistant. And, uh, and I just went with it. But it required a lot of work on my part. There was a lot of like fitting pieces in and making sure, you know, selecting what was good and what was bad. And there was no way to like say, you know, type in, write an article about, um, about pseudo write or write an article about Hawaii and getting output that actually worked. Um, now, one of the things I didn't say in my like, in my big introduction there was that I published, I started publishing my first magazine. I did zines all through the 90s. And my first magazine, like actually colored glossy pages, was in like 1998. And so since then, I've published a couple of magazines and zines and websites and worked with a lot of writers from all around the world. And one of the things that can be difficult at times is working with writers who maybe speak a different form of English or who are not native English speakers and helping them with their grammar and their spelling and usage, you know, in terms of like for the audience that you're actually publishing for. Um, that's been really challenging through the years. And there's some writers that are really good at it, and there's some writers that are not. And for the most part, when you find writers who are willing to write things very cheap online, uh, they're going to be writing in a way that isn't necessarily what you want to publish. You know, I'll just say it like that. Um, 
you know, and that's just because their usage isn't necessarily the same usage that you're going to be using with um, your audience that your audience will be used to. So all of that being said, pseudo write was a lot of work. It was sort of like working with writers who have English as a second language or writers who have a completely different usage uh, of the English language than your audience is used to using. So it required lots of going back, lots of formatting, lots of like fitting in the pieces and doing all that. Now, a few days ago, GPT-3 um, launched in playground mode and as a, as a chat bot. And, you know, I've seen chat bots through the years, you know, I've like experimented with them. I've played with them. I've, I've kind of always been on the, on the cutting edge of like trying these things out and, you know, seeing how good they are and what they can do. And I've always felt like there was a good something that would come out of them. Um, you know, and there's, I've also approached them with trepidation too, because what, what you have is something that potentially could replace a lot of the work that writers get paid for. And I will say a lot of the work that writers get paid for sucks. It's like cleaning out the pipes. It's like being a plumber, you know, like plumbers get paid well, but sometimes the work of a plumber really sucks. And sometimes the work of a writer really sucks. You got to write things like commercial copywriting. You got to write, you know, things in a specific way or about topics that you don't know. Technical writing is like that. So I've always looked at it as like, huh, AI seems like it could replace that. Well, GPT-3 came out and I started playing with it. And I have to say, like, it's not perfect, but you can write an article now that in 10 seconds, that would have taken a good writer an hour to write and that has just as much substance and value to it as a good writer would have put into it who wasn't necessarily an expert in the field. You know, when you when you have somebody, if you have a plumber writing about plumbing issues, he's going to know things that non-plumbers aren't going to know. And that's going to make the uh, make the article that he's writing better. But as far as like general and being able to use you know, resources that are out there. GPT-3 has blown me away. So I, I can't stop playing with it. Um, it's like, it's like I'm a, well, <laughs> yeah, Riona gave the, the face. Uh, I think, I think it's like a 12 a year old boy who discovers something else that he can play with and just stop, just can't stop. And that's sort of how I've been with GPT-3. I cannot stop playing with this thing. And I even, I even, published something today that I, I put together last night. Um, so, and, you know, a lot of people know this, maybe some people don't know it, but I have a, I have a fascination with religion and the ridiculousness of it and making it even more ridiculous in times. So I was like, I wonder what I could do with GPT-3 in terms of, of the Bible, like the actual Bible, the Christian Holy Bible. Um, and then I looked at Amazon, and they're they're allowing writers to do something now that's called stories, um, that lets you like create stories and share them, you know, with your subscribers and readers in real time. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll do this. So, with no further ado, let me tell you about my new project. You can read on your Kindle for free. Subscribe to it. it is the Holy Bible with Zombie? I'm waiting for a reaction now. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Can, can you say the title one more time? The Holy Bible with Zombies. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so what I did was I, I basically figured out a, a style that I wanted to, to write in, and I put together the prompts, and I decided I'm going to rewrite the Holy Bible, at least 
part of it. It's like an ongoing series with zombies. Um, so if you guys want, I can share with you the, the first chapter, by the way, is live. Um, and I can, uh, I can read you episode one, which will just take a couple minutes if you guys are interested in hearing that. Yes, 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 yes. All right. And then tell no, them for, how to find this, what you're talking uh, about, this thing that you're talking about, this GPT-3. I, I, oh, GPT-3, um, you've got to go to open.ai to find it. Okay. So let's talk about that first. Okay. Um, so, so go to open or not open AI. Let me pull up the actual website here. Um, so there's a playground and it's beta.openai.com slash playground beta.openai.playground dot com dot playground dot slash com. Pay, backslash playground okay and so here Excellent. is it and to find uh and subscribe to the holy bible with zombies uh all you need to do is go to amazon.com and look up the holy bible with zombies <laughs> and you should find it uh so this is episode one little bonus for our listeners you could actually hear me read this first episode. I promise not to subject you guys to every episode every week, but I think this first one is pretty fun. The Holy Bible with Zombies, Episode 1, In the Beginning with Zombies. In the beginning, when the world was new, God created the heavens and earth, but something else was created too, the zombies. They were unlike anything the world had ever seen, flesh-eating monstrosities with no regard for the living. The zombies spread quickly, devouring everything and anyone in their path. Soon the universe was on the brink of extinction. It seemed like the end was near. But then, God made a decision. He decided to create a man, Adam, who would be strong enough to fight the zombies. He gave Adam special powers and the power to create weapons out of the resources around him. Adam was not alone. God also created a woman, Eve, to stand beside him. Together, they fought the zombies, and soon they gained an upper hand. The zombies were relentless, but Adam and Eve stood their ground with their wits and weapons. They managed to keep the zombies at bay. But then, one day, Adam and Eve made a mistake. They ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge, and suddenly they understood the truth that they were not mortal and that death was inevitable. They realized that they could not fight zombies forever in order to save humanity from extinction. God decided to create a new weapon, the rainbow. He put it in the sky and lit up the sky with its colors. The rainbow was a symbol of hope. It reminded Adam and Eve that no matter how dark the world became, there was still hope. With the rainbow as a beacon of hope, Adam and Eve were able to defeat the zombies. They were able to restore order to the world and save humanity from the brink of extinction. But the zombies were not gone for good. They lurked in the shadows, waiting for another chance to devour the living. Adam and Eve knew they had to be vigilant, prepared for the worst. And so the battle against the zombies continued. Eventually, and I'll, I'll stop it. So the battle against the zombies continued. That's, uh, that's episode one. There's more. If you want to read the rest of it, you can go and read about Cain and his new best friend as well. That sounds amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, and you, so you're telling us that in, you wrote this by interfacing with an AI through a prompt. So you said to this AI a few words, and then it comes back at you with this high-quality, readable prose. That I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was laughing my head off during that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, dude. That, Crazy. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is like I put in 16 words. And this is this is the output that I got. And then I, I did a, a little bit, a little, little bit of editing. I changed like I think three words in the entire thing. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. 
I know. Well, I, know, I can't I wait to get in there and check it out. <laughs> well, I've, I've posted a link to it in Twitter. So if anybody wants to check it out, I've posted the first episode. And I highly recommend that you go and subscribe to my Kindle Bella, which uh, uh, who knows what will happen with that. But it's pretty fun to have it there. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, that, this is another great example, folks, of why we want to still be publishing on Web 2 platforms. We want to be publishing in Web 3. We want to be publishing everywhere that we can reach an audience because it's just it's a, it's a good thing to get out there and kind of be aware of what's going on. So kudos to you for all that good stuff, CD. Um, Rihanna, uh, what should we talk about next? I'm not sure if I should launch into paged out governance or if maybe we have more questions that we want to ask about this super dope uh, AI that's going on here. Yeah. Um, and so I guess maybe I have a couple of questions about the, the AI. Is it is it just like a platform that just sort of opens up? You've got a big window and you type in some key phrases and then it spits out something. Is that kind of how that works, CD? That is exactly how it works. So uh, a lot of people have basically like built uh, different versions around the AI, which is open AI. So um, you can actually, if you're a developer, you can like build specific things that like, you know, maybe take the input or, or add specific prompts to it. But the one on OpenAI, basically you just type in what you want and it tells you. And, you know, this thing is crazy too in that it's not just stories. You can do poetry, you can do lyrics for songs, you can do code. Like there's actually, you can get in there and you can say, um, hey, I'd like to have the code so that I can create a book mentor. And it will give you something. I don't know how good what it gives you is but it will give you something so so you know it's not just writers who are need to be worried about this but it's also um you know coders and everything else like and and there is like there is a reason to be worried but here's the thing just like what i've done here you know you can make a, the ai a tool that you're writing with not necessarily you know and and you can also use it for inspiration, all this stuff. So I don't necessarily see AI replacing creatives, but I do see it sort of replacing the way that we write and changing the way that we write. And I think this is ultimately a good thing. Yeah, I do too. I, um, and so I think that any tools that do exist, it's it's good to use. Like it has to, like if there wasn't the creative person sitting there giving it the prompt, it wouldn't create anything. It needs the person behind it with the imagination and the wherewithal to utilize it. And so I think that's very clever. I really can't wait. <laughs> that's going to be the first thing I do when I'm done here. You know, here's an idea. We've been thinking a little bit about doing show notes. I wonder what it would take to uh, to, to use the AI somehow <laughs> um, to, to help us with, uh, with, with maybe some show notes. Do you think that would be doable, CD? Um, not with this particular AI, because this one, its data set only goes back to 2021 or only goes to 2021. So it wouldn't be able to look at current events or things like a show and actually, but I'm sure that there is an AI out there. Like there's things like Otter AI, which is, a, um, you can basically talk into it and it, it transcribes your voice. You know, if we could take something like Otter AI, um, that's probably a means, there's probably a way to do it. Now, unfortunately, I think 
I think show notes are going to be a much more complex task that probably AI isn't going to be able to do as easily as spitting out some prose, which is weird, but I think it's more complex. So maybe for writers in the future, that's where if they want to get paid, they're going to have to focus in, in doing these sort of like, you know, things that, that the AI isn't able to do as well. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, he's uh, getting discussed in newspapers all the time. You know, it's like, are, are we obsolete? And, and that's a good question. You know, but at the end of the day, like from from the philosophical standpoint, I, I think you can make this really compelling argument that like what we are is like the world's willpower, you know, in, in some ways, you know, like if I guess maybe that's like a really Zen Buddhist sort of uh, try to, you know, uh, look at it here. But but, you know, at, at some point, I, I think that looking at like sort of this dichotomy where on the one hand you have a machine that has this massive capability to uh, synthesize, you know, stuff. And, and yet on the other hand, the decision of what to synthesize, you know, needs to be made over and over and over and over. And, and it's more like the editorial role than I guess like the, what would it be the 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 writer's role but you know the the writing has an editorial component to it like and if you're a person that studies it and gets good at it and does it all the time uh you develop a skill for it that that makes it faster on kind of all fronts but and and so there's like some component of this work to be I, i guess compressed or reduced by the ai it's really fascinating to to think about the the way that this might change I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Do you have like a specific prediction in terms of like, because I could see there, there being a, with, with, for example, like content marketing, you know, you know, I, I think maybe those guys can do more of the same stuff faster, but, but maybe what that does is that kind of puts more onus on the editorial side of the thing and maybe we'll actually see better quality uh, kind of paradoxically here. But what are you thinking the, the fallout might might lead from uh, from from this, or maybe the uh, what was the opposite of fallout when you know some some kind of technological innovation happens and and it's good? I guess the revolution here. Yeah, I I see a couple things here. Um, so I think a lot of uh, a lot of rote writers, a lot of people who are are basically like you know selling their writing on you know, Fiverr or, or stuff like that, I think they are going to get exited out of a job. But if they're, they're smart about it, I think they're going to be able to leverage this technology to create new jobs. You know, like right now, there's it's probably going to be a couple of years before that happens. Um, because, you know, like I said, I'm always on the, on the edge of being a new user for this stuff. Like I'm, I love being an explorer of these new technologies. So the world at large isn't necessarily as aware of this as, as we are. Um, and as those who are listening are, you know, we have, so, so I think it's going to be a few years before it happens, but I do think that people who are writing things, um, things that don't require a lot of, uh, specific knowledge or specific skill or a specific style. I think that they are probably going to be finding it harder and harder to get paid for their writing. Um, that's, that's what I see as the negative. And I don't, I don't necessarily see that as a negative because as a, an editor, I have to say a lot of the people that are producing that stuff are producing crap. They're producing really, they're not, they're writing, but they're, they're writing badly. And so maybe, maybe it's a good thing 
that we have like a writing apocalypse. Um, and it just leaves the people who are truly passionate about it and the people who are truly good at it to, to continue with it. That's one thing. Um, and then in the positive side of it, I think that it's, it's possible that um, whole new industries are going to be born out of this. And maybe, maybe um, the biggest problem that we as writers have been facing for the past 10 years, I think, is people are reading less. And maybe this will somehow find a way to like dig that hole, dig us out of that hole, to create it from that hole and to get people reading more again. Maybe things like, you know, the Holy Bible with zombies appearing or stuff like that. Maybe this will actually encourage people to start reading more. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Oh, man, so many things. And uh, I'm sorry for jumping in so fast, Rihanna. I know you've probably got a million things to bring up here, too. But, but like, one thing I, I continually come back to, because, you know, I, I spent all that time doing science. And what did I do the whole time? I just read articles, you know. And and I, I really feel like, you know, to an extent, this is a query tool that you put a uh, given unspecified body of information into. And then it can synthesize the things that went in. Uh, back to you ac- accurately and in like sentence form that you can totally just understand. And then, so to me, it seems like maybe to some extent, this is a thing that your, your doctor can use to read more quote unquote, w- without maybe necessarily cracking open actually more, you know, scientific articles, but you, you know, it's, it's to, to some extent, it's, uh, it's, it's a revolution, not in terms of like explicit search, like, like lives on Google, but it's like the next, generation of sort of that algorithm and it's you know it's, its function might you know be summed up as something like uh expanding the awareness of of human consciousness like like you know it is some lofty point down the line you know i, I know at this point like is is still new and then maybe some of my excitement here is overwrought for that you know <laughs> reason uh, it would not be the first time for me to get too excited about a new technology or more excited than i should be um, but, but I don't know. Uh, what do you see about like, uh, what, what do you think about this idea to try to use it to, you know, as an individual, instead of like going out and producing content to then, you know, give to other people? What, what about the things that you read? Yeah. What, what would you like to see feature wise? I, I feel like the, the thing I would like to do would be have direct access to like the, the data set. You know, if I, if I could like modify that by adding certain things in you know, to support additional queries on demand like that, that would just be like the coolest thing in the world to me, you know? Yeah, I think the um, idea of how it could expand out from, from like where it currently is that the, the unimaginable pieces of it and the benefit of it or the use of it is just really sort of mind boggling, you know, that this idea that, um, just a few phrases could create such narrative like what CD created, but then also to your point, Dylan, where if there was a way on the back end to be able to um, help it enrich what it is that you're, you're wanting to read or you're wanting to see, or you're wanting to write. I just, I just think that that's just amazing. I just think it's amazing. I can't even imagine what we would use, use it for um, that wouldn't be of a benefit. Well, I'll tell you one thing that it it definitely has driven home to me, and that's the fact that writing and blockchain 
are going to be more important than ever. And one of the reasons for that is because provenance. We're going to be able to prove, you know, that we're a real writer and that we're writing something and that it's like, I'm the writer who wrote this and this was me. Because at some point, if somebody wants to write something in my style, they're going to be able to type in, write an article in the style of CD. Um, and it will output, you know, an article that looks like it was written by me. But using blockchain and, you know, authentication, I'll be able to authenticate the fact that I actually wrote something. I'll be able to tell people like, hey, this is me. I wrote this and it's authenticated on the black on the blockchain. Um, and I think that that's going to be really, really important moving forward um, for those who care about such things. And I think that most readers do care about that. Oh, agreed, agreed, agreed. A thousand percent. Um yeah, that, that gives me so many ideas. I mean, like at PageDAO, uh, if anybody's listening who isn't aware, we, we actually have a membership NFT that you can buy at membership.nftbookbazaar.com. And, and that gives you access to the PageDAO. And part of being a PageDAO member is that you can go to mint.nftbookbazaar.com and make your books to our collection on OpenSea. So you can put your books directly onto the Polygon blockchain. And then basically give people access to your work that way. And the way it works right now, everything's open. But but at this point, uh, where we're discussing the origination and like provenance of, of these things, I, I, th I think there's a, a lot of really interesting sort of links that are starting to become apparent between these different uh, works that, that we've already put on chain. Uh, but, but also between sort of the identity of an individual member and then you know, the, the token ID for their membership NFT. And, and I think at some point it might be possible to create something like a system that would take as an input, like sort of that identity, right? And it would say like, okay, so this NFT object, you know, created this other NFT. And so now when the AI scans it, it has this tag and it knows the provenance of that. And, and so if you don't have that, you know, specific membership NFT ID, ID in your wallet, maybe you can't use that author's style to write an article or something. But because, you know, it seems like one of the coolest things that this would allow me to do as a writer would be to say, hey, you know that guy, you know, Thomas Dylan Daniel, but let's write an article in his style about this, you know, and kind of kind of use that to uh, kind of kind of cannibalize my, my own prior uh, prior writing such that it, it just it makes it faster and easier for me to put more content up for my fans. Yeah, and I, I do want to actually touch too on um, on some a few other interesting things that I, I put GPT three through the paces with. Um, I had it write a resume for myself. Um, I had it write my own obituary, and I tried to use it to predict the future by writing like what was the most outrageous thing that happened in 2023 or the most outrageous, you know, the biggest rug pull of 2023. And it came up with some pretty interesting things. Um, so there, there is like, there are, let's see, there are negatives that come with any new technology. And basically when, you know, cars came along, suddenly the guys who took care of horses were no longer as useful to the world, to people that were like transporting things. But with this technology too, there's gonna to be new opportunities. And the, the limitations of this technology really are limited by your imagination only. So if you're a person who has great imagination, 
then you're going to be able to do things that nobody else has thought of with this stuff. And it's, it's absolutely astounding what you can come up with. Um, I want to hear a little bit more from Rihanna about all of this and also about what do you think about this week? How's things going? Oh, um, so as far as this um, AI generated language, I'm I'm really excited about it. And I really think that um, the, the imagination of the person doing it um, is really the driving force behind it and and your guys's idea of being able to pull in and say okay so write something in the style of rihanna morgan and and how cool would that be <laughs> um maybe they would do better with not using the word that all the time um anyway that's always one of the things that i i go through and i'm like oh how many that's did i use when i'm writing my rough draft about a zillion anyway and so um so this week i've had um well, for the past, I don't know, seven or eight days, I've been, um, someone tried to hack my Twitter account. And so Twitter clo- not didn't close my account, but it's, it, it um, paused it or locked it temporarily. And so that's really crummy. I've been really kind of sad about that because I'm not, I'm not out there with all of you guys seeing what's going on. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not really with the heartbeat of the web three publishing and web three writers and all of that, that I love so much. And so I'm really missing all of that. Um, but I am taking time while I am writing to Twitter every single day and saying, please help me reinstate my account or whatever it is that you need to do. Um, I'm taking the time to sort of bolster my other um, social media presence. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even TikTok's a little wild. I have not really spent too much time there, but, um, and so I think, you know, it's also a good way to help bridge, um, web two writers into web three. And, um, it's all the more reason, all the more reason to have content and your brand and who you are in web three. Because Web3 can't cancel you. (laughs) You're there, you know. And so if I have to start another Twitter account, well, all of those followers that I have and all the friends that I made, you know, I'll be able to to revisit them and and and, you know, invite them back into my world that way. But it's that's a lot of work and that's a lot of time and, and effort that wouldn't exist if Twitter wasn't devised how it is and if it was really a situation where on the blockchain and in web three, where we have our, our presence, where we're building our presence. And so that's just another reason, just another example of why um, that transition to web three is such a powerful move. So that's exciting. Um, I've, I've been really wondering why I didn't see you much on Twitter. And I'm so sorry for hitting the laughing emoji when you said uh you said you got locked out of Twitter. I meant to hit the like the crying one, and instead I hit the laughing one. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> no, so I alternate. <laughs> I alternate. The first day, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? This is terrible." But it was terrible because I wasn't able to be part of what's going on, and because Twitter moves so fast. But you know, I'm connected still with you guys. That would break my heart if I wasn't. And uh, you know, the other writers that I've connected with on the Discord and the other people who I've met through this process, um, you guys are all still there. And so, yes, thank you for wondering about me. I appreciate that. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I literally can't get in and I've done everything that they've told me to do. And it's just a waiting game, I guess. And, you know, we'll just see. And if I have to create another Twitter, I will or, or whatever it is. And um, I'm I, you know, way back when months ago, I was talking about having a, a literary NFT um, and it's very close. I I have decided that I want to copyright it because it's an important it's an important piece. And so I'm going through that process right now, copywriting the the literary NFT. And I was planning on announcing it this week, <laughs> the project. And so I'm just going to wait, I guess, and see if Twitter will let me back in. Um, but even if I announce it on other socials, you know, maybe my friends there on Twitter will say, hey, come look at this great project that's really kind of cool. So um, maybe you guys will help me out. I'm sure you will. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have absolutely no problem uh, sharing your stuff from the Page Dow account sometimes and all that goodness. I, I know it's not the same. And, you know, you need to get your account back online. And it's terrible that they did that to you. But we, we can, uh, we can help make sure that people don't, you know, wander away or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And so then, yes, I've just been writing and working and, and just being excited still about all of this process and so grateful for the both of you and everyone else I've met. So. Hey, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, folks, uh, we're down to about 19 minutes and we haven't been joined by just a ton of DAO members. There, there's a lot going on in the world today. I'm not frankly all that surprised, but, you know, I mean, the, the episode will stay live on Twitter and then go up on Spotify. Thanks to Finn and our friends at uh, Terra Spaces. And, and so so no worries. Um, it does give us a little bit of extra time. And that gives us kind of the opportunity to talk a little bit about the page token uh, governance proposal that's up. And, and so I do want to just kind of take a second and just, uh, you know, for, for the folks that are here at the very least, you know, uh, kind of, you know, break down just what that is and what we're trying to do with it. Um, is, is now a good time for that? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let us uh, let us transition in that case. Um, so the proposal that's currently up is uh, in the nest on the spaces here. So, so we've got actually two proposals instead of just one. Uh, the first prop is for the page tokenomics. And basically, we've been kind of in the discussion phase. We, we haven't had just a ton of discussion going on uh, on, on Commonwealth or in Discord, but we have kind of hammered some things out. And I, I think the reason that it's a little bit quiet around this is that people more or less agree with the direction, but but I, th I think maybe, I don't know, just due to the sort of market circumstance in which we find ourselves and the great uncertainty that faces us all, um, it, it's kind of a situation where, you know, nobody really wants to hang their hat on it, so to speak, and, and people are willing to kind of kind of go with the flow for now. Because nobody really sees like an alternative way. And then so this is kind of uh, it's the, the plan essentially is to release 90 million more page tokens, getting our supply to the initial 100,000 that we promised or 100 million, excuse me, and allowing us to burn the right to mint additional tokens and us burning the right to mint more page tokens is kind of uh 
Well, it decentralizes the, the page token. It, it makes it not about the contract anymore. It makes it about the people that own the token. And so that's a very important step. And look at us growing up. And isn't that nice? Um, and, and, and so basically what we've got is just this linear inflation plan. It's the most boring tokenomics anybody ever saw. It's not a Ponzi. It doesn't do anything cool. It just says, hey, there's going to be this total supply of 100 million of these tokens. And if you want to get some, you can come get involved with the DAO in one of these four ways. And I, I think uh, in the proposal, we discussed the four ways in more detail, but I think I can name all four of them off the top of my head right now. The first is by staking page tokens to participate in governance. The second is by community building and marketing for the page DAO to you know, help out the riders that are here that are a part of the DAO um, and then help the DAO grow and mature and all that good stuff. Um, and so if we end up doing airdrops or anything like that, then that'll be the pool that that comes from. And then, so those are each 25% of annual issuance. And then we've got development, which uh, before this, we actually had the development all going to WIT Publishing and kind of the team there. And I, I think that we found some limitations with that. Um, and, and so basically the, the idea is that the DAO needs to control the multi-sig that these tokens go to now. Uh, so, so we'll have a little bit of work cut out for us if, um, if we're going to do that. And, and so let, let's see. The, the one that re remains is liquidity mining incentives. And, and so we're, we're saying 25% flat issuance for that as well. Um, it comes out to, I think, uh, anyway, it's about 2.5 million tokens per year. And, and so we're saying that like each of these four areas is equally important uh, to the long-term success and growth of the page though. And so, you know, we, we need people to participate in governance. So we have to have that staking incentive. We need people to come and provide liquidity to our token, not out of the goodness of their heart, but because they hope to earn a return, you know, by behaving in a certain way in certain market conditions. And while we can't really speak to what that is or what that would be, but we can definitely offer an incentive uh, for the ones who choose to do that. And if it's successful, I think we could find that the page token is more liquid and hence is a better uh, thing for people to come work for. You know, uh, and, and I say work in kind of like the most loose sense of the way. You know, it's work in the same way writing is work. It's not a nine to five job that you get. You know, it's, it's more like, hey, the, you know, Uncle Dow needs you. And he has these made up money tokens that he can give you if... Uh, if uh, <laughs> if you help them out, you know, with, with this or that specific task. And, and, you know, sometimes people do it. Sometimes they don't. It's up to them. It's very decentralized. And that's just how a DAO operates. And it's possible now because we have Web3 with its base money layer and um, all these remarkable innovations in and around the cryptocurrency space to allow people to transfer value to one another without an intermediary. Um, and, and so it's just so cool to be sitting in uh, the cutting edge of this new technology space that's being developed all around us right now. And, and I, I really um, I, I feel very, very excited to say that this uh, page tokenomics proposal is currently passing. Um, there's some things in it that may need to be amended later. And our second proposal, because we do have two, um, is an amendment to the governance proposal. And basically it's that now in order to put a proposal on Snapshot, you have to mint that proposal as a one-of-one one to read me. Or I, I guess not, maybe it doesn't have to be as a one-of-one, one, 
Uh, but I've been minting them as one of ones because I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't think people want to buy them. You know, the, the main reason to mint it is to store the text in IPFS and, uh, you know, to kind of have that on-chain proof of like, you know, hey, that was actually EpicDylan.eth, you know, that created this proposal. I can go look at his wallet and see that NFT there. And so there's kind of like some on-chain provenance that we're attaching to our governance process. And we may actually be one of the first DAOs to really get like a good solid uh, technique of doing that, you know, particularly with the snapshot tool and Polygon. So, so really some, some killer innovation that's happening in a relatively unexpected space um, right in the midst of the bottom of the bear market when everybody's the saddest. <laughs> Well, sometimes sometimes the best days happen in the midst of the hardest winters. That's uh, that's the way it goes, I think. But uh, we'll get through this just like we've gotten through them in the past. And uh, we're going to come out of it stronger. I mean, the truth of the matter is I know a lot of people are, you know, spending time with their families and, and just taking a break from, you know, everything in general. Um, you know, the Internet, Web3 and that stuff. But I think... One of the beautiful things about PageDAO is we have a lot of members that are passionate about it, that, uh, that, are, um, that are here and taking part because they feel like it's given them something that they didn't have in their lives before. And it's true. It has. Um, you know, we're a family. And like every family, we're going to have our ups and our downs. But right now, uh, it might be a downtime for a lot of people. I hope everybody gets through it okay. But trust me, there will be ups too. Many of many of them, and I think twenty twenty three is going to be a great year for Page Dow. Could not agree more, man. That's why right now, you know, I mean, yeah, we we don't have the budget to go out and build a bunch of cool dev stuff. You know, we we don't we don't necessarily have even the same amount of money that we had last year to go build cool dev stuff. You know, but but it's free to work on the governance. It's Free to work community is this, you know, perfectly fitting with this moment in history to, you know, take things a little bit easier for a little while and go kind of easy on ourselves and, and focus on our personal lives because, yeah, like you say, like just no, nobody's having an easy time right now. And it's important to, uh, to remember that we created a community to help each other and, you know, not, not to put a bunch of unnecessary pressure on anybody or anything like that. So, you know, that, that's another one of the biggest benefits of working in a DAO instead of, you know, like a corporation, because it's just, it's different. Everything about it is different. You know, the financial incentives, the drive to profit, you know, the, the incentives behind building a good community versus, you know, going after money or whatever the case may be. I, I really feel like DAOs are places where really heavy lifting can get done and it can get done by communities of people who really care. And it can be done from a place, you know, of care and of mutual respect, you know, and, and maybe that's new. Maybe to some extent, this is a technology enabled network that, that lets us collaborate with one another easier. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool if, if the truth was just as simple as that about DAOs? It might be as simple as that. We will see. Um, so I'm curious um, about what do you guys think the next big innovation is going to be in the space? I mean, we, we focus a lot on GPT-3 and AI lately, but what do you think the next big innovation is going to be? I'm, I'm going to throw out my guess uh, be, before I 
mute myself again. But uh, my guess is going to be that it's going to be some kind of like some kind of validator for language usage. Um, and what I mean by that is something that actually looks looks at a writer's language or looks at a musician's um, playing style and actually validates that just like it would validate a voice print or a fingerprint. Um, I think that something like that is probably going to come and be a huge innovation in the space. But I'll turn it to you guys. What do you think is going to be the next big innovation? Dylan, you go ahead. I'm thinking and, my And I just invited YD up to the stage. He had his raised hand. And hopefully you are on mobile because it won't work if you're on desktop. Maybe Twitter will get fixed someday. But I've invited you up. Good. Looks like there you are. Hey. Hi, guys. I'm from India. And I was uh, surfing the Discord tab on Twitter. And that's how I discovered you. Very well, cool. Welcome. Are you a writer, YD? I'm learning so many so new things from PageDAO and things that you are doing about tokens and all that. I'm a enthusiast, Web3 enthusiast right now. I don't know much. Well, that's cool. Do you have a guess as to what the next big innovation that we're going to see in the Web3 technology space is for us today? Is that why you wanted to jump on stage? Uh, not exactly that. I just wanted to tell that you guys are awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I guess I'll, I'll answer your, C, your, your question at last uh, <laughs> CD. Um, you know, really, really and truly, I, I still think that there is, um, there, there's a pr predominantly like financial thing that is going to happen in Web3. And, and I... I don't know if it's going to be the, the next big innovation or not, uh, but like what we're witnessing right now is like the collapse of, you know, FTX and potentially Genesis and all these other, you know, crypto lenders in the markets, I, I think um, is it, going to, it, it's like a forest fire, you know, and, and I think that some of the old dead wood is going to burn out. And, and I think that maybe there's going to be new growth. And that new growth is going to be fast and it's going to be organized by something that's not exactly DeFi. Perhaps um, I, I think we're seeing uh, proof of reserves with a bunch of the larger centralized exchanges that are coming up. And, and I, I listen to Bankless probably more than I probably should. Um, but at some point, I, I think that somebody is going to do something in DeFi or in uh, at least Web3, you know, sort of uh, financial stuff um, where it's going to become safer and, and we're going to have better custody over our private keys. And things are going to be more transparent and less predatory and people are going to feel more comfortable coming into the space. And, and that's going to be really what starts the Cambrian explosion here, because I really don't think we've seen anything yet like what we're going to see when, you know, honest to God, real life, you know, actual mass adoption starts to happen. And do I know what the thing that, that I'm expecting is? No, I do not, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really what I was kind of thinking is the next thing. And so if we look historically at when the Internet became what the Internet became and how everybody was, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. And then it had like a plummet. And then they were like, no, it's building again. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, ah, it's working. Then there will be this influx of people. And because I still feel right now that we're population-wise of the people who are involved with Web3 is minimal comparatively. 
And so I feel like that um, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality. And so once this is up and going, people will people like populations will make the the migration to to web three and um having a wallet won't seem um odd you won't have to explain to anyone what an nft is you won't even have to explain what web three is anymore and and that so that that's my that's my hopeful wish more than my um clairvoyantness is ah the people will come well, that's a that's a nice thing. I, I the Kevin Costner method is always beautiful. Uh, you know, Field of Dreams. What a great yep. movie, right? Yes, yes, it is a great movie. And so that's what I think about whenever um, you guys are talking, and and Dylan, you know, has this amazing vocabulary, amazing mind of all these Web three things that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just learned last week what tokenomics means. <laughs> you know, and so. You know, you guys are going along making all of these great decisions, and I'm like, oh, I'm scrambling. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to keep up, and I'm going to do this with you, and I'm going to help. And, and even if it's just I'm the cheerleader lady <laughs> on the side that's like, okay, let's do. What's the next thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, that's that's how I want to I want to be involved and be part of this, and because I'm very passionate about um, literature being present in the future, and. Um, so I'm just, I'm in whatever it is, whatever we're doing, I'm in. Uh, you just love to hear it, folks. Uh, you know what, Rihanna? Like even even if your your main contribution sometimes is just being a ray of sunshine, I think that is just absolutely <laughs> plenty. And I, I am so grateful that you find us uh, worthy of your time. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And so one day I'll know all those vocabulary words. And because, you know, I, I I have I have a good brain and it can hold a lot of stuff. And it's just um, it's just taking the time to to really enrich myself with with all of this great knowledge that you guys just carry around with you. Yes, indeed. It happens over time. You know, it's kind of like learning to swim at first. You're, you know, in there doggy paddling in the pool. And the next thing you know, you're picking up the breaststroke and then the backstroke. And anyway, yep. <laughs> that's probably enough swimming metaphors. But <laughs> Yep, yep. Yeah, you get the swing of it. And pretty soon you're trying to use it to solve problems. And, and that's when, you know, that's when you know you're really, you're really in deep trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but right. more, folks. Yeah, we're, we're coming right up against 4 p.m. here. Um, and, and I'm kind of thinking maybe this is one that we, you know, let kind of sit in the 60-minute the cap. Um, is there anything else we need to hit and touch on before, uh, before, before we let everybody go for the week? I just wanted to say that when Rihanna mentioned that she goes through her first draft and is like, how many times have I typed that? I, I also do that. But my word is just which I throw just in there so many times. So just do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just do that. (laughs) All right. Yeah, just do that. And uh, yeah, folks, if you're listening and you haven't voted in the governance proposal, um, this is another reminder to just do that too. (laughs) Excellent. 
That's a great, that's a great phrase to end on. Just do that. <laughs> yeah, just do that. <laughs> oh, well, y'all, it has been a great space. And, it's been uh, a lot of fun hanging out with you guys, and I hope you go out and just do that. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Yeah, let's just you do that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'm going to be the one to say it this week, too. Peace, love, and whoopee! Yeah. Bye, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was episode 12 of The Page Dow Show, hosted by Epic Dylan, Riona Morgan, and C.D. Vagabond. Recorded on Monday, December 5th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. Cool. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back, doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money, looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods, amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, these sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. They can't even say they're making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund them. Pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true. In the dark, eating bullshit up like a mushroom. In the lunchroom, just trying to laugh it off. Meanwhile, foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog. Like a fake mate and called at the zoo. It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too. I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it. It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music. Spaces.